and welcome to the Brother, Brother, Brother podcast. I'm your host, Wyndham Lewis. I'm here with both brothers today. It is uh, a full Brother, Brother, Brother podcast with Jeremy Sartorian, Christian Lewis. Hello, everybody. How's it going? Hello. We are, we are open, back in business. Yeah. So uh, I'm going to ask a question that I usually save for the end of the uh, podcast, but uh, Jeremy, what are you listening to? Uh, well, um, a few albums that come to mind, but I think one that uh, I'd love to start the conversation off with you guys because it's um, catching a lot of warranted buzz, and I think we all love it a lot, is the new Ice Age album. Um, I'm going to throw it out there to everybody, but uh, I think it's just uh, one of the, I don't know, for some reason, in a year where I felt like there was you know, definitely some good stuff that we'll talk about coming out, this one really grabbed me, and... Um, I think it has like a, a big rock and roll sort of, uh, I, dare I say, you know, late 90s um, British sound of that era. And I know this band is not British, but it just has that kind of primal scream, I think, is the comparison produced by Sonic Boom. And uh, it's just one of those records that kind of sprawls in all the best ways, is ambitious and pulls it off. Um what do you guys think? I'm a huge fan. Um, I think you're absolutely right. Like there, there's so many great uh, inflections of early '90s um, sort of Brit pop. I also hear like uh, the fact that these guys are, are obviously um, big fans of of the Libertines and, and Pete Doherty, who you know it, it's that sort of uh, rollicking like. Um, maybe slightly inebriated like vocal delivery um that that just has like a a, a, an edge and um an attitude to it that's just like it's a ton of fun you know it's it's old-fashioned rock and roll in that sense um there's like a a sort of like you know bratty kid quality to a lot of the delivery which i really i've just always i've always had a soft spot for a sneer yeah, it's yeah. it's funny because you guys both went for like the late. Jared went for late nineties. Christian went early two thousands. I would take it back another decade and say, it has a lot of like. Um, well, it has primal scream. Definitely, I think that's the the you know, the comp we all make. But um, you know, take it back to Oasis and the Verve and early spiritualized, and it's basically you know it's got that sneering delivery, but it's also super ambitious and wants to be I, i'm getting the uh, impression that they want to be huge oh yeah i mean i think you know like i said I, and i do think um a lot of those bands when you just name checked and i think christian name checked libertines I, I totally hear um obviously primal scream i also think that uh it's it's kind of like the stones in a sense in that early 70s period too where you have like a you know, albums like Sticky Fingers or, or you know, and I know the Stones were, were huge, but the blending of genres um, is not always easy to do. And, you know, having a, a full choir or, you know, breaking into the circle will be unbroken, you know, in mid-song. Yeah. You know, it's, that's Balls not... A, familiar tunes to a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, and it can be like really... Pretentious. Obnoxious, yeah, and, and, and annoying. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll put Oasis sort of past um, Morning Glory on that that side of that uh, equation. And um, I think these guys kind of hit the perfect mark with this one. I, I was, I think, you know, I'd, I'd read some reviews. I think you guys started a text chain um, initially. I hadn't listened to it yet, and I went for, like, a walk because um, that's what we do these days. We go for walks. Um, but, uh, and it blew me away. I was like, holy shit, I, like, instantly, the, the, a bunch of those songs are already on, my, on playlists, you know, <laughs> floating around. And then as an ent- its own entity, it's just a great album. The other comp yeah, that I was kind of interested has- in was, was actually, like, it, it, just a band that I think swings for the fence in the same way as Titus Andronicus. Like, it's it's not necessarily mm-hmm. got the same sort of tonal, like, points, but I just, there's something big about it uh, that feels mm-hmm. like, you know, these guys, these guys sort of understand the magnitude of, like, a good rock song and you are um you know it's just it there's the it's people have talked a lot about like pop maximalism in the last sort of decade um but i think this is similarly like it it has that sort of stadium ready quality of um you know you've got dueling electric guitars all over the place and like you know yeah that is that a piano fill yeah that's a fucking piano fill (laughs) like um it's like where are these people even coming from how many how many guys are in this room um but it it just it's it's really satisfying 
example because I've always felt, and I think it's like a little bit European versus American um, underground music or whatever you want to call this. I mean, it's not technically underground, I guess, but like left of the dial, whatever. I always find that like, and, and it's one thing I actually have an issue sometimes with European bands is, is the production, is the sort of cleanness of the sound, whereas like uh, Titus has, you know, is committed to a DIY, making, you know, Born to Run as a punk song, you know, and, and, but you know, in the, you know, lo-fi kind of cheap version of it, which I love. I love the rawness of that. But when a band like this is able to pull it off with the production, you're like, oh yeah, that this can be like, like to your point, Wembley Stadium well, style. It, you know, it's got the unhinged. Rock. It's got the unhinged factor of like a Titus, and then but also the incredibly circumspect um, quality of like the Killers. Um, right. Like I was even thinking like in excess or you know early in yeah. excess and stuff like that, just huge. Yeah, it's um, so. I mean, some of the standout tracks. I think the the opening. Uh, tandem of, of uh, Shelter Song and uh, High and Hurt are great. And um, it's just, you know, High and Hurt is, is the one that you referenced before where um, they sort of co-opt uh, the familiarity of, of uh, Will the Circle Be Unbroken? And it just, it's so um, sort of attention-grabbing in the same way that, you know, I think, uh, you know, spiritualized... Uh, you know, using I Can't Help Falling in Love with You or, you know, Echo and the Bunnymen when they used to play, like, Doors songs in the middle of Do It Clean Live. Um, <laughs> it's got that, I, I love, you know, it's a, it's a nifty trick when you co-op something or, a, you know, a, f- a musical phrase that's so familiar and integrate it. And it can be, again, it's something where you can fall on your face or it's something where it can be iconic. And I think they pulled it off. Yeah, it's it's it's. I mean, it's daring, like using any kind of recognizable sort of, you know, motif like that is is just going to be. Um, it, it, you are, you're you're heading into territory where it becomes very easy to, for for people to criticize you on the basis of something they already know. So I think even before you get into, uh, even before you get into the circle be unbroken like in the opening track seek shelter or uh, shelter song excuse me um you have uh what is it the the lisboa gospel choir um who is uh who is supporting uh like you know providing providing sort of a full uh, a full chorus of of um Come lay here right beside me. They kick you when you up. They're not, or they knock you when you're down. Which is just like, uh, which is the most truly the most wonder wall or like a Oasis style, uh, like you know, phrase I've I've heard in a while. So, um, I think that that ambition just sort of keeps rolling forward. Um, and I think the yeah. So the highlights are for me obviously the first two, um, and I think there's a maybe a little bit of dip in terms of the, it decelerates a little bit toward the middle, but, um, I, I was going to say, ironically, I think that after those first two, and we had this conversation when I was down visiting Christian recently, you know, um, I said, well, it kind of is a momentum killer to put love kill slowly after those two. And he said, well, what else are you going to do? Um, you know, you kind of have to, yeah, you, you can't go yeah, up from there. You can't go from <laughs> so, 11 to 12. <laughs> Yeah, but I, I was just gonna inter, you know interrupt quickly and just say that ironically the third song on the album, because the album's produced by Pete Kember, who was the other half of Spaceman Three, um, it's the most spiritualized sounding song uh, that's not on a spiritualized album that I've heard. Yeah, I can see yeah. that very much, and uh, and I think yeah, I think you kind of get that adrenaline rush, and it is a bit of a like a. But, but those songs really grow on you too, you know, as you keep going, you know, I think I was talking to you when, and I was just sort of like, yeah, I don't really love this, you know, um, is it the four song? Um, sorry. Okay. Oh, Vendetta. Vendetta. That's yeah. Like lyrically or something, I it kind it. of annoyed me. And, and I, and you know, I can completely say I've like changed course on that and, and love it now too. And, and, and I've been able to kind of listen to it all the way through. Quick question for you guys. Like I, uh, sort of, you know, there's so much music and, and, you know, obviously it's been a bit of a head scratcher year just as far as like information coming at you. We've been so stagnant and, and sort of still. But um, like, 
I always thought of this band as like almost hardcore or something. Was I wrong? Like I don't, I remember them. Um, no, I, and I know the name and I know the band, but I just don't know that I like. I, I almost feel like I got them confused with somebody else when I heard this record. Am, am I way off or am nope. I not? They were definitely more, or um, what I would describe as sort of more prog, like proggy. Um, they're they're okay. incredibly good musicians, um, and uh, you know that that may be seen as like a little bit disparaging by some people. Um, certainly in our uh, our sort of circle, but like it, it isn't intended that way. It's just to say that like these are these. I think these are like you know kind of jazz door kids, um, because and and that's sort of reflected in like how you know complicated their music is. I would put them. You know, I think they've always been sort of uh, on the post-punk side of, of that spectrum um but if you think about like preoccupations or something like that um that's okay, so sort of a little the, more mathy the, yeah and a little bit and a little bit sort of darker and maybe less um uh melodic and like what i mean the you know these are sort of subjective but I'd, ideas but like, i'd also say their their first album came out when they were 18 and so there was a punk aspiration yeah that i think you know, they're like you said, Christian. Their musicianship kind of naturally carried them out of, um, you know, or or delivered them from you know being kind of a brash, you know. Yeah, there's there's board. being bratty and then there's sounding bratty. Um, being bratty is self-destructive and ultimately leads you to like underperform. Um, and then there's sounding bratty, which is like you are making full use of your potential. Um, and it's just an attitude thing. It it just like that that's conveyed through your through your lyrical delivery or um, through the you know slightly sloppy and half step behind that you might play your drums or something like that. But it's like you know it it reflects sort of like a, a looser quality to to some of the music. But it's it's not by I mean if look if you if you ask them to tighten it up, they could do that too. Uh, and you know, they'd be on military time and, and in a, in a second, it's like, you get the feeling there's just a lot of, of, um, command over, over the, the yeah. sound they're doing. Yeah. The but sound I, they're making. I think nobody at 18 wants to look like they're trying. Right. You know, that's the kind of, yeah, no, it's good to, I mean, I honestly, when, you know, you guys started, uh, texting around this album I was like eh, you know just thinking sort of to what I thought the band would sound like based on I think what I'd heard in the past maybe briefly I had never really given them a full full go um, but I was uh, like it, it wasn't a, a case of low expectations and being blown away it was just a case of being blown away well speaking of uh, the Danish roots uh, Christian um, uh, via Shakespeare wanted to refer to this um episode is something rocking in the state of Denmark because <laughs> the communions also have a new album out that I really like. Why do they get no attention? I don't know. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, I think uh, I think that sounded like a better idea when um, when I thought I would be able to come up with a third band uh, from, from Copenhagen <laughs> that I was really excited about right now, but it turns out um, there are two. She's a pretty um, good population marker. <laughs> also, also Dansk, Dansk Revolution was uh, was on the list. Um, but uh, I think these guys are, are, you know, still relatively unknown, but um, have just been super exciting to me for, uh, for a couple of years now. So um, they put out... Uh, a, a, this new album, uh, latest album, is called Pure Fabrication. Um, it's actually only their second full length. Um, the band is uh, a couple of brothers, the Rehoff brothers, and apologies if I'm um, butchering the uh, pronunciation of the last name. Um, but the first thing I heard from them was probably in 2014 or 15, which was an EP called Cobblestones. Um, and that actually had a uh, a couple of post-punk sing- uh, like singles, um, including one called Summer's Oath. Um, and it just had, like... It, I mean, it was... It was... Um, and I, I don't say this in a bad way at all, but, like, there's a, there's a very... Uh, so it's a, there's a, there was a referential quality, right? It's like, you don't want to call something derivative, so you call it referential. If you don't like it, you call it derivative. Um, in this case, I loved it. Uh, so I would say it was, like, very referential to, to New Order. Um, and it just... It was clear that these guys, like, you know, had spent all of high school just worshipping at that, you know, at that sort of, um, like, pretty groovy post-punk 
altar of Mancunian, like late eighties, early nineties rock. Um, and, uh, you know, and I think it was the sort of arpeggiated guitar and like, and, and, um, sort of drums that sounded like they were being, you know, picked up like off a piece of sheet metal from a different room. (laughs) That's sort of like distant, like echoey sound that you get. And, um, and, uh, uh, a lot of that music um, but this album is like the is the first time I've, I've heard I've sort of feel like it's all come together um, and I'd love to hear your your opinions but I was really uh, really pleased by this and like I, I just um, I am yeah I'm a little bit surprised that they aren't catching more uh, more attention um, and uh, and getting more play over here particularly I think with the with the coverage that Ice Age is getting, I mean, I would think that the some wave of budding genius through. like yeah. you or like you or I would be like, "Hey, what's happening in?" But yeah, I don't, I don't understand the uh, the sort of apathy uh, in their case, uh, or the you know the music press's apathy towards, or you know towards them. I think they're um, really good. I think this album is super solid. I would, you know, my only reference point with the band was a single that you sent around a few years ago that I loved. And, um, now I can't remember the name of it. I'll have to ask you, Christian, what was the name of the, of the single that, um, kind of got some attention. Was that Summer's Oath that I sent? Yeah, I think it was. No. No? No, it was a different song, actually. Okay. Um, anyway, that's a, that's a great hole for me to throw out there and, and not fill. Oh, forget it's a dream. Probably. (laughs) Yeah, forget it's a dream. Is that it? Yep. Yeah, that was a great. Song. That was off the 2015 um, self-titled EP. Okay, well, I appreciate you being my memory. Um, but yeah, this is pure fabrication. So it's like uh, I listened to it. It's it's incre- very immediately accessible, and um, you know it. But it's also you know sort of good. It's loud. It's it's you know it's got great hooks i mean i just don't see what what why nobody's paying attention i guess that's my yeah i'm in the same boat i remember you sending that out christian as well and it's funny i was trying to kind of look up some info on the band pre this pod and it was like all the reviews were literally from 2015 and 2017 and um one thing you know that I, i i think there's a lot of groups that come out and shoot out an ep and you're like you know, the sort of Vox Trots of the world or whoever where you're like, oh man, the song is amazing, can't wait for the album. And then the album's just, you know, not that great or, or not not as exciting and as you thought it, it would be, you know, um, when you first heard a, a great single. And I agree with Wynn and, and Take and, and then your kind of reference points for music. I'd also just throw in there some of the shoegaze, like bands like Ride and, and Swerve Driver too. There's a bit of that in this in, in a good way. And... Um, the one thing that I think that they just nail, which is super important to me, because I, I feel like that music can be somewhat moody and, and sometimes, um, you know, I hate to say, sometimes a little boring if it doesn't have a hook or, or melody. And, and the one thing I really like about this record is, you know, the songs have a very familiar sound, but then they really catch you with like a great pop kind of uh, chorus or hook almost in, in every track on the album. And, and uh, that's always, you know, huge for me to kind of fall in love with a record and I was looking at a review on Pitchfork I think it was of, of one of the older albums and it was that the 6.5 you know mark that they get bands and I just feel like this band is like the total 6.5 which happens to also be like you know sort of the, the one of my sweet spots on a Pitchfork review if it's in you know 6.5 to like 7.5 I usually know I'll probably like it <laughs> yeah I think that's yeah, it's, uh, not that's right. Cool enough for the for the eights, and it's yeah, uh, it's not too familiar. Too familiar to like, yeah, exactly. Be um, you know, sort of a, a, a plot. In other words, catchy. <laughs> so I think here's another way someone game. tried to write a, a catchy tune. Here's the game that we play for for listeners right now, which is: um, Does Ice Age sound more like Stone Roses? Uh, uh, Libertines, Oasis, or Suede to you? And then we'll do the same thing with Communions. <laughs> yeah. I would go Primal Scream. Okay. All right. Primal Scream. So there's a fifth one in there. And then Communions. You can say New Order for sure, Ride. Um, You have to... (laughs) The point was to pick bands that I've I've given, but that's fine. Ocean Um, Blue. 
who I don't like that much, Coach. but they definitely have that sound too. Yeah, I would go Stone Roses on Communions. Okay, just to just to give people a sort of frame of reference here. I mean, these are all like you know, these are great reference points too. Um, and it doesn't, you know, it's not it, it's not um, imitative in that way. It's just like uh, that's sort of the starting point. It's impossible not to hear yeah, hear yeah. those like uh, yeah, to hear those notes. If you like Screamadelica. <laughs> yeah, you know what you know what they're fans of. You know. Yeah. Yeah, and I think all good bands. I mean, that's kind of you know. I'm sorry, but you know. When I think that's when bands really pull it off. That's always what you love about them. You know, it's you know you've mentioned Titus before, and then they're huge like replacements and Screw fans and you know things like that. Like when you have your own sound and you you are kind of evoking the feeling of, of some of those great bands. I mean, even a little Echo and the Bunny Men to Wynn's earlier reference to mm-hmm. there. And I think like these guys pull that off in a way that that made me really happy. Two great albums. Yeah, I listened to. Crocodiles end to end the other day the uh, first Echo and the Bunnymen record and great. I forgot how great that is yeah. you know and, and this is kind of what it reminds me of You're, that's a good call so I'm, let's take a quick break and we're going to come back and we are going to talk about a bunch of people who are traveling back to the 70s to make records Back to Brother, 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 where today we are talking about what we are listening to, um, one of our uh, favorite recurring segments here on the on the pod. Um, so, Wyndham, you were just uh, about to tunnel back to 1972 um, and tell us what you've been listening to um, in this uh, in this alternate alternate um, you know 1970s universe. Well, I was going to talk about St. Vincent, but I think that would be traveling back to 1977. So 1972, I'm going to travel back to and uh, invoke a new album by an artist called Art Deco. And it's the album's called In Standard Definition. And it is um, a really fun romp of a record, but absolutely channeling T-Rex and... Um, you know, all the uh, glam rock of that era, um, Slade, um, you know, um, Bowie to a degree, and um, but just a really big, fun, um, you know, glam rock stomp. It's, uh, you know, it's got all the hallmarks of, of Mark Boland. Art Deco is an artist from Western Canada, uh, I believe from Victoria, B.C., um, who has a very distinctive uh, visual style as well, sort of evocative of um, you know some of the the glam rock of, of the seventies, but also um, sort of uh, uh, that that sort of iconic um, Dutch boy that uh, Karen O wore or uh, Anna Winter, um, for that matter. But uh, you know a really cool visual style in addition to um, you know a, a you know very you know, we our last episode we talked about um, the Bay City Rollers. I mean, there's some Bay City Rollers in this. It's just fun, kind of 
super catchy, super hooky, you know, guitar stomp. I don't know if either one of you have had an opportunity to listen. I don't think I've given it as much of uh, as much time as you have, but um, but my first impression was was just uh, was just Roxy music. It was like the 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 mm-hmm. great frame of reference here, and and so um, you know if you're uh, if you like this sort of jangly um, but like bright, upbeat, energetic, uh, and and sort of you know that like with that tinge of of maybe melodrama. Um, than uh, Eno era, yeah, Roxy, yeah, and Suede, another band that you just referenced um, before. Uh, yeah, I almost forgot about uh, East Sussex own Suede. So yeah, I haven't given it a shot. I, I I'm excited to though. All the all the things you guys just said are, are kind of definitely up my alley. So I'm, I'm I'm excited to give it a listen. But the reason for the '70s reference to begin with was an excuse to talk about St. Vincent's Daddy's Home, uh, the new album that St. Vincent's just put out, and um, this sort of louche, um, you know, um, Berlin Trilogy era yeah. kind of uh, Bowie throwback that, that uh, St. Vincent has done. And again, it's, it's uh, like Bowie, uh, Annie Clark, a.k.a. St. Vincent, has sort of reinvented herself every step along the way. And, um, you know, this, this time it's uh, the 70s in Annie Clark's house. Uh, what do you guys, have you guys given this a good listen? Yeah, I, I have. And, and um, I mean, you know, I feel like I, I just sort of started listening to it and, and I'm going to continue to listen to it. It's, you know, I'm glad you said the Bowie thing. It, you know, kind of reminds me a bit of like low in the sense of like, it, it's a it's a bit of a... Uh, not sonically, it's it's super still to your point, like reinvented and, and lush and big, but it, it's kind of a, a bring down from the the last album a little bit, you know, and, and kind of definitely a different headspace and um, you know, very much introspective around the father figure, obviously, by the title and, and the whole um circumstances and storyline around that. But it's um it's definitely like it's <laughs> sorry, I'm probably not doing a great deal explain it i mean i definitely heard like some print some of like the the sign of the times print stuff um you know definitely bowie and it's but it's still her own mark i mean she's really it's amazing just to kind of think back to like was the song like blood in my mouth or you know just sort of early st vincent stuff that you know was definitely interesting and good actor out of work and yeah and then you know where she is today is just this kind of like pop icon and 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 megastar i mean she's it's really unique and fashion icon too yeah yeah and um yeah much like i think bowie prince you know who you mentioned but um, I liked it a lot. I think it's it's a complicated record, and I think it's definitely gonna you know take some spins. But I, I did I did enjoy it quite a bit, and you know um, I think when you referenced the second track, when when Damien was talking about how much he liked it, um, yeah, down and out downtown, which I think is a great yeah song. that song really blew me away. And again, I've kind of put on headphones and, and you know sort of wandered listening to it. Need need to give it more time, but um, big record for sure. Christian, have you given it a shot? Yeah, I think you know it's interesting. I so all right. I'll take a slightly contrarian view on this. Not not much of one because like at the end of the day, I I came down you know liking it a lot. Um, I, I just just to just to inject a little bit of, uh, of of disagreement maybe into the conversation. I think it's one of these things that like as a standalone album, I just don't see myself listening to that often um, and it's like she it feels a little bit like she's building um the like the canon or something like it's it's um she's she's there's a career arc here that she's like conscious of maybe um and uh you know without projecting too much about about motives and like you know what's what's sort of driving her i think like um she's she's very aware of the the like of change and and how important that is to like to not not just to be relevant but to be sort of pioneering and always a little bit ahead of like where you know uh where the sort of like comfortable um like mid-tempo arc of indie rock or art art inflected you know rock is um and and i think um she's very good at that and like does it you know as sort of personally um as as well as musically um but but it does to me it's just like 
I'm not sure that that I actually love the album in the same way that you guys do, um, and in the same way that that our producer Damien does. Um, he's a huge fan as well. So, um, so you know, I may be on my own on that, but uh, but maybe I just need to spend more time with it too. I mean, that's that's no, actually, actually been I true. Mean- one thing it's been I was true with my say, experience with pretty much every one of her albums, so I'm like I'm open to the idea that this is something that's just going to require a few more listens. Now it's funny you say that because Wynn and I actually were talking prior, and and I said similar thing. What I was more kind of getting at was like I have a huge respect for her stuff, and it's it's it can't be ignored. Kind of how I mean it is good. It's really good, but it, I, I agree with you totally. in the sense that like I don't listen to Saint Vincent that much or at all. Yeah, I don't listen to the Carpenters I, that much either. It's like, I, I'm not saying it's not good. I'm saying yeah, that, and like, I pull songs it's, it's, not, out of there. it's not necessarily for me, and it doesn't have to be. But That's I do the, think like, this one in particular is a bit of like, has that, and I think Bowie Low is something that I kind of, is like a touch point for me. Like, I like songs on that album, but it's kind of a tough listen too, to some degree. And I, I don't know that this one isn't, isn't far off of that for me. Like, I'm kind of getting into it. Like, my feet are getting wet, and I'm like, hmm. Like, I like it, but I'm not sure where I stand 100%. I think it's, like, one of those ones. And I was comparing a little bit to Fiona Apple's last one. I really enjoy that record quite a bit, but I don't find myself popping it on all the time either. Yeah, or Lana Del Rey. I mean, I think there's, like, there, right. there's... And it's not necessarily the straightest, like, musical line, but I think there's just a lot of um, homage being paid to the, you know, women of Laurel Canyon. Mm-hmm. I actually, I love the Lana Del Rey album, and I listen to it a lot, so that would be the, um, but, and I love, and I really like this album, this is sort of my sweet spot. The, it's extremely um, stylish, yeah, which is, I, I, like, I, I actually like the, the Lana Del Rey album more, I think, personally, but, um, uh, and this was Jack Antonoff too, right? Correct. Yeah. He produced The funny thing, yeah, the funny thing that, you know, because Jerry referenced Prince when he was talking about St. Vincent, um, you know, uh, in, in particular, Sign of the Times. Um, ironically, this has uh, got a song, um, again, that uh, less lofty than uh, Will the Circle Be Unbroken, but she blatantly um, is, uh, you know, borrowing Morning Train by Sheena Easton on My Baby Wants a Baby, and it's just kind of a funny uh, homage, again, because... Sheena Easton was a, a, another person who, you know, started the 80s singing Morning Train, which was the most uh, subservient, um, you know, piece of, like, pop, you know, confection you could ever hear. And by the you know middle of the decade, she's guesting, she's singing Sugar Walls with Prince. You know what I mean? It's just kind of, of uh, in terms of shape-shifting careers. Um, but, yeah, she, you know, she takes something that is... For somebody my age, extremely familiar ear candy, like Morning Train, and kind of corrupts it and co-ops it in, in a really kind of a cool way on and My I, Baby Wants a Baby. I literally did not understand a single reference that you just made, which, which may have something to do with why I um, don't feel the same way about this album. I, I just heard yeah, something, well, something, I, something, Prince. Yes. That was exactly what I said. No, I, I, um, I really, I just mean, like, I, I'm not familiar with the artist you were just talking about, and I've never heard, I mean, I may have heard that song. She, but. Sheena Easton is, uh, the is like, the female vocalist on Sign of the Times. Okay. Um, she would, but at the beginning of the 80s, she was she had her own sort of too, yeah. uh, positioned as um, almost uh, I think I do Christian know who she is then. In her, okay. Yeah, she, I mean. Um, Percussion. But she was almost like Amy Grant at the beginning of the 80s. You know, she sang this really, you know, pop, like I said, bad, you know, that close to bad song called Morning Train, which was all about waiting for your husband to come home so you can make him happy. Um, it, it's a, you know, it was like a 50s kind of song that was sung in the in the 80s. And then she shed that image by Dirty Dancing with Prince by uh, by Sign of the Time, so it was pretty... You You've know, got the look. Got so the, the complete transformation and, and like, a, a very compressed, like, story of, of um, exactly. liberation. Yeah, that's a much more succinct way of putting it. Um, uh, but, I, you know, again, I, I'm, I'm... Again, uh, Daddy's Home came out five days ago, so I'm going to sit with it, and but... Right now, uh, just on the strength of a couple of songs, it's it's 
calling me back. So I'm happy about it. I think there's a, it's a nice little run too. I, I think um, I like the weather for fem, you know big female records. The Weather Station album I think is really good and. St. Vincent, oh, yeah. um, and then um, the Julian Baker album, if you guys haven't gone back and listened to that, I know it came out early in the year, that's another like, actually really strong record, so definitely. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I was just going to throw a couple more out, too, speaking of Canadians. Uh, Godspeed You Black Emperor put out a really good record that uh, I've been writing to. Uh, God's P at State's End, um, and obviously Godspeed You Black Emperor is good writing music because there's no lyrics to distract you. And then the other uh, sort of 70s throwback, uh, and I don't even know if I comf- I'm confident calling it a 70s throwback, but the Matt Sweeney, Bronnie Prince, Billy collaboration, Super Wolves. Um, I don't know if you've had the opportunity to give that a spin, but it's one of those ones that when it comes on, I'm like, who, like what? I have no ability to place it in time or who it is, it, it throws me every time. I, I feel like I'm listening to some, like, lost Richard Thompson side project from, like, you know, the mid-70s, and it's, but it's still very current. I really like that album a lot. It's a, it's interesting and weird. I yeah, I'm a big Oldham fan like, of Oldham, but I need to, I, sh- I should say, you know, he puts out so much stuff, it's hard to kind of keep keep up with, but um, but there's a few touchstones from him that I think are really brilliant, and uh, i got to give that one more time. I don't know. Christian, if you listen to it much or had a chance to. No, I just, I mean, I think he's he's such a such a talented guy, and and um, really, it often I think is sort of like it, it seems as though whatever the prevailing course of what I'm listening to is, um, he sort of like shakes me off the the um, you know that trend for a little bit and gives me something uh, gives me something that doesn't that that sort of opens you know my mind to to. Um, uh, a new or maybe an old genre that I hadn't been uh, hadn't been listening to as much. Yeah, and if you if you want something rather entertaining, and I think we'll we'll end on this, but uh, check out Matt Sweeney's uh, Wikipedia page. It is uh, you know one of the least likely um, kind of uh, um, set of collaborators you'll ever see. There's a, this is a guy who is a masterful guitar player. Gun for you know sort of been a gun for hire throughout his career. He was in uh, late era Smashing Pumpkins and Zwan. He was in a band called Skunk very early on, which was around my college age. And uh, uh, Chavez was I guess his main project. But this is a guy who is um, you know toured with Bonnie Prince Billy. Has played on Neil Diamond records. Has uh, played on Cash records. Is on every Run the Jewels album. Um, yeah, really he's like that. bizarro and fun wiki. I mean, even wasn't there? Like, I mean, it's almost like he's played on, yeah, uh, you know, like mega pop star albums too. It's pretty crazy. Like he's had quite yes. a career. He's played on Kid Rock records. Anyway, let's uh, let's wrap this up and uh, we'll take a quick break and we'll come back and we'll end this how we always end it. Brother, brother, brother pod, and it's uh, all three of us today. We have uh, Christian back in the fold. So, uh, Christian, I'm going to do what you always do to me and uh, say, what are you listening to? I think Wyndham's probably best equipped to, to kick it off. <laughs> I'm happy to. 
I am reading a book called Hidden Valley Road, which is a nonfiction book. The which sequel is to Hidden Valley Road. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty intense. Um, it's very popular, but it is about a, a upstanding Colorado family who had twelve children, ten boys, two girls. Six of the boys are schizophrenic, and it is uh, kind of a, a you know my favorite kind of nonfiction where um, something larger is Trojan horse through a, a more intimate story, and this is an intimate story of a family, but it's also um, a trait, you know, sort of a history and, um, not so, um, uh, flattering history of the psychological, you know, psychiatric establishment through the, uh, 1900s and their treatment of schizophrenics. So it's, Yikes. it's a very cool book and I like it a lot. Also watching Mayor of Easttown, um, and I'm not going to do a Delco accent like everybody else is attempting at the moment. Um, and I'm really enjoying. This is this was the surprising one. I'm really really enjoying Hacks, um, Gene Smart's new um, HBO show where she plays a sort of modified version of Joan Rivers's life and hires a young kind of hipster comic to um, write for her um, as she is losing her residency in Vegas. It's much. It's a really really sharp show. So check it out. So I uh, actually also read Hidden Valley Road last year, um, and I liked it a lot. I think it's um, it's a it's a challenging read at times too, just because uh, just because of like how incredibly inhumane um, the uh, the sort of institutionalized psychiatric um, mm. care system was. If you can even call it a system of care, it was really just sort of a system of of Warehousing. segregation and um, yeah. yeah, and and I mean I think. You know, it was obviously motivated by this sort of, like, mix of... Um, I, I thought the most fascinating parts of it were sort of, like, the the ideas about um, about the root causes of, of things like schizophrenia, uh, which, you know, clearly get socialized very quickly through the profession. Um, so, you know... In like 70 years? Like 70 years of blame the mom? Yeah, or but then, like... <laughs> but then one paper gets written and it's, um, you know, it's suddenly a genetic disorder. Uh, and, you know, the reality is, like, I think the, the, the point this book is making over sort of very slowly and very forcefully is, you know, that, that this is something that really needs to be sort of considered holistically as like an environmental and, and um, potentially a, a sort of genetic um, uh disorder but like the complexity of like the human brain is just so confounding you know and it's it's just it's different for everybody and like and and that should more than anything just cause you not to like snap to judgment um and uh and you know I, I think it was it was great at sort of um encouraging me to think compassionately about it rather than um you know it just rather than sort of writing it off yeah um in in any other or coming to any kind of judgment too quickly um the other thing i would say i've, I've read recently or read um excuse me that was just watching was uh was the crime of the century um and the, this is the two-part documentary um alex uh gifford right gibney gibney, gibney. excuse me i'm sorry um and uh uh, which is basically tackles, yeah, Purdue Farm. I mean, sort of part one, I would say, is uh, more focused on, you know, uh, Purdue Pharmaceuticals' role in launching the opioid crisis, um, which it argues, you know, shouldn't be referred to as a crisis because a crisis is something that just happens, and this is the crime of the century. Um, and uh, part two, I think, you know, continues with that theme but but focuses even a little bit more closely on on sort of the the political dimension and i think Wyndham, you remarked the other day that it was a very sort of um 
like nuanced discussion of of you know how how like when people talk about the revolving door in Washington, what that actually means, and it's true. I, I don't often see a good um, description of that kind of thing, and um, kind of grew up in it. But but like uh, I think this was a, a pretty straightforward look for for somebody you know for anybody who's sort of uninitiated in that world. Um, it becomes clear that it's like it's it's not obvious that somebody's doing something you know criminal or deceitful it's like it's just they're just a lot of sort of misaligned interests and it becomes hard to to you know to drive a wedge in it and stop it at any particular point one one strategically rewritten clause in a law can can open the floodgates for which yeah which which unless you're an expert in this subject you know you could read um Ten times and not necessarily know is uh, going to completely change um, the way this is this is regulated. Um, so yeah, I mean it's it's I don't mean to focus too much on that. It's it's generally speaking just a just a very good and entertaining documentary. Um, but but you know I think it's it's definitely got uh, the potential to teach a little bit as well. Jay, what are you listening to? Cool. Well, I'm uh, I'm super psyched to actually watch that documentary. Not because of the subject matter, but I've, I've been just wanting to watch it and I keep actually forgetting about it for some reason so thanks for the reminder it's on the list um I too have been watching Mayor of East or whatever East Town um when so I'm not going to go into that too much and uh I think I'll take it back to well I did I did pop back onto The Leftovers HBO because you guys were talking about it a show that I'd started um when it actually came out and, and bailed on and I am bailing again after four episodes I don't get it um, and I think Justin Thoreau is should stick with dating famous actors. I, I can't I find that guy's performance really painful in that show. But I know you guys are digging that one. Um, I'm gonna be the contrary there and, and say it is not very good. Um, spiritualized. I won't put in a word. Just say that the thing that I'd heard over and over again was the way that was that it really effectively pivots from being an okay first season to being. Actually, it, a very good um, second season. I've yet. I'm now on like episode three or four of season two. Um, yeah. And what I would say is that I have, I yet to. I I don't necessarily know if I've seen enough of season two to judge whether it's a very good season. But I will say that the pivot is as good as people say it is. It's like just from a pure like craft perspective, it's it's very yeah, good story. I've heard that too. And I've actually heard season two and I think there was maybe only three or so it kind of pivots. And I actually like a big Parada fan. I like the concept and everything. And I, I don't find it like painful or bad or anything. I just am like, oh, like do I really need to sit through this whole season to get yeah, to do you want to be? To do you want to spend time in this place? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And um, the, the, and I find him just really. Sorry to be so negative on, on Justin here, but I, I think he sucks, and I, I think he. I don't get that him in that role. You know, like it just doesn't strike me as believable or him as a very good actor. Yeah. Has any uh, has any small town cop in upstate New York ever been in that good shape? Yeah. It's like I get that you're five. <laughs> Three and <laughs> Jacks, but like I don't. They're definitely uh, probably short, but yeah, no, it's, it's painful. No, it definitely feels like he should be in a, uh, uh, you know, Marvel or Capcom. He should be a trainer like, in L.A. You know. <laughs> like, um, well, if you reviewed all the shows, maybe he would be. <laughs> exactly. So, um, but I'm, I'm going to go to music, and uh, Wynn had kind of thrown this out there, and it was just reissued, um, Laser Guided Melodies by Spiritualized, which um, I will definitely put a flag in the sand as, as I think their best complete record. Um, I, it, now, I wasn't super familiar with Spaceman 3 back then, and aside from, like, you know, a cassette that Wyndham had laying around <laughs> that he apparently had stolen from his college bookstore, and... Um, I had a roommate at the time that, that had this record, and, and I just listened to it a lot. And to the point where we were really excited when Ladies and Gentlemen came out, um, and it almost felt like a little bit of a letdown for me post this record. If, if you like Spiritualized and you want to go back to their first record, this is their, their first initial full length. It's got that kind of same uh, vibe that we were talking about with Ice Age a little bit, and, and you know, let's say, like... <laughs> 
if you're if you're you know very high on opiates and and, uh, and trying to dance, this is like as close as you're gonna get because it definitely has more groove and a little more um, you know drum loops and things like that than, than some of their later stuff, which which I think gets a little more um, and. I'm not a Pink Floyd fan, but kind of in that huge, you know, sort of Pink Floyd vein. More symphonic. Yeah, symphonic yeah. stuff. But I just, I just think this album, start to finish, there's not a bad track on it, and um, it's a, it's a, I find with spiritualized in general, like I can pull songs off of certain albums and the albums aren't as good, or I can listen to their album all the way through and I can't pull a song off of it because it just seem, it's like such a seamless. Uh, you know, sort of collection of songs that they, they yeah, sound best together. And, and this one, I, I bought the reissue on vinyl and it's, it's, uh, you know, I hate to, to be, you know, overly, um, uh, supportive of, of drug use after your, uh, documentary, they're the greatest crime, but this is like a great album to like eat an edible and just listen to all the way through. It's, it's a, it's an awesome record. And, and so I've been, I've been kind of nonstop listening to that. And uh, that's what I'm listening to. So should we throw some some jams on the uh, the never ending playlist? Yeah. All right. Who's going first? Yes, we should. I'll go first. Go for it. Um, I'm gonna put on Bittersweet Symphony by The Verve. Oh, good one. Christian, you need a minute? Yeah. Somehow, <laughs> somehow unprepared for this uh, for this event. I'm going to stay on that side of the pond with Wynn, and um, I'm going to go with a spiritualized track, not on either of the albums I mentioned, but off of uh, Let It Come Down, and I'm going to do one of my favorite singles by them, Do It All Over Again. Great tune. Yeah, that is a great tune. Um, All right. Well, I think I'm going to go with... uh, Let's see... You ever put "Passing Me By" on uh, by the Far Side? Ooh, nice! I love that song. Yeah, great. Choice. I don't think it's on there. No, it's, it's a great I don't song. Have any Far Side on there. <clears throat> cool. Sure. All right. Well, Christian, good to have you back. <laughs> and yeah. uh, this was fun. Happy graduation. Yeah. Thank you. All right. I'll talk to you guys soon. Congratulations. Talk to you soon. Right. Bye. I'm Wyndham Lewis. On behalf of my brothers Jeremy Sartori and Christian Lewis, thank you very much for listening to the Brother 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 podcast. Many thanks also to our heroic producer, Damian Kendall, and to Simon Doom for our epic intro music. Learn more about the pod at brotherpod.com, follow us on Twitter and Facebook, and it's extremely helpful if you rate and review us on iTunes. Thanks again for listening.